wonder how that works. So many things to be thankful for, so many things to praise God for. That last slide, Aaron, can you put that last slide that you just had up, that last song? Not that one. Can you go back or is it too much work? When I do a baptism, when I share the gospel, when I disciple people, isn't that exactly the message? I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. Aaron and Megan have built their lives on a firm foundation upon his love, and God resurrected his son, their son. How much power is there in our God that he can bring a little boy back from the dead? I, I was one of those doubters. I was one who thought, we're going to have to figure out how to do a funeral for a two-year-old boy. How do you do that when he's in Brazil? He was dead, and yet, I will put my trust in you alone. Thank you, God. I needed that reminder myself this week. Alone, he is worthy. Alone, he is good. Alone, he can do all things. He can do the impossible. I will not be shaken. He is our Lord. He is our King. He has got everything under his control. We can trust him with everything. That's a good God. And that's the God we serve. I just felt led to say that. So let's pray before I read our text for this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all the good works that you have done, all the things that are evil in this world that you have turned for our good. A little boy at the bottom of a pool, hundreds of churches, thousands of people praising your name now because one little boy was at the bottom of a pool. Your ways are so far beyond our ways. Your thoughts are so far beyond anything we can even dream of. Today we are in awe of you, in awe of your power, in awe of your love, in awe of who you have made us to be and how perfect this universe is under your sovereign control. Sin has corrupted it, and yet we know the plan. We know that you have come and that you have purchased for yourself sons and daughters because of the cross, because of what Jesus did. You have purchased a family. This family is yours. We are your children. We are so in love with you for all that you do and for all that you are. I pray that you would give wisdom to me as I open your word, your holy word. I pray that you would give blessing and favor to your people, that they would have ears to hear. I pray if there is someone here this morning who has never heard your word, has never understood your gospel, has never seen someone come back from the dead, that today would be the day of salvation, that today would be the day that they give their life away and they trust in you, the firm foundation, the one who will always be there with them, the one who has the power to accomplish all things. 
I pray that you would resurrect souls in this room this morning. Do this for your glory, my Lord. Amen. Our text for this morning is Mark 12, 35 through 44. I'm waiting for pages to stop. While you're looking, if you don't have a Bible at your house, if you don't have a Bible that you say, this is my Bible, and one that you can understand, the black one that you look down, see the black Bible in front of you, that's yours. Take that with you when you leave today, okay? If you don't have a Bible, take that one as our gift to you. Okay, no more pages, I hear it. Mark 12, 35, it says, and Jesus taught in the temple, He said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feast, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor woman, this poor widow, forgive me, has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they are contributing out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. An interesting text for this morning. I have literally no notes in front of me. So, can you go to, oh, I got to do this. I got to know how to do this. Does that work? This is how we're starting. I struggled this week to how to frame this first section of text for you. So, I've labeled it random knowledge you need to know. First thing we need to do is understand the context of this passage. Can you read that? No? Okay, great. Well, I can't read that either. So, um, how are we doing? Is this awkward for you? It is a little bit for me. Mark 11 and 12 are an entire passage. It's two chapters, but it's one scene. We have the great privilege of slowing down so much that we get to see and dig deep into each text. But for a moment, I want to step out of the depth and go to the breadth and say these two chapters out of 16 chapters that Mark wrote down are probably either a day or two in the life of Jesus and his disciples. They're sitting in the temple. They're talking. Jesus is teaching. He's responding to questions. He's getting maybe trying to be rebuked, the, the Jews kind of want to come after him a little bit. Last, well, not last week, the week before, we finished the great commandment. On here, 
I'll just turn around. Uh, you see, I, I put who they're talking to or who Jesus is really interacting in each of these texts. He's either talking to the disciples, he's talking to chief priests, Jews, he's talking to scribes. Those are like the teachers of the law, uh, people who really, really know their stuff. So I don't know if there's someone in here who really loves to memorize the Bible or memorize all the scriptures. Uh, that would be them, okay? The disciples, those are the followers of Jesus. We've got chief priests again, scribes coming back, Pharisees. This is a, a sect of Jew who is very religious in a not-so-great way. The Herodians, uh, Romans are there, the scribes again. He's got a vast audience with different people with different thoughts, different thought patterns, different confusing ideas on different theologies. So there's a lot of different people here. So we're finishing this section today. So that's the context. This is where we're at. We just finished the great commandment, and Jesus said to one of the scribes, you responded rightly. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And we enter today. Okay. What did the scribes know? This text is all about David, the son of David. These are all these passages, all these prophecies, just about David, and that someone is going to come in the line of David. And they all knew, all of those groups knew the text. They knew they were talking about the Christ. These groups had different visions of what the Christ were going, was going to look like. Some thought, the Herodians thought, he's going to be a conquering king. He's going to, the Pharisees thought he's going to be one of them. There was a lot of prophecies and there was a lot of opinions. All of them were wrong, just so you know. But um, These all talk about David. They knew this better than you do. Okay, These scribes who are coming, they are experts. I want you to know that about the scribes. Here's one text I want to read to you. This is one prophecy that the Jews would have known, the scribes would have had memorized. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will ra raise up your offspring after you. You shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity... I will discipline him and with the rod, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever, forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Sorry, I couldn't see that word. I didn't want to mess up the word of God. This is a prophecy. This is talking about David, the king, David, right? And after David, one is going to come. This is the Christ. They knew this. Okay. In our text, okay, random knowledge, ready? So full shift. Go back to the text, look down, where it says in Psalm 110, verse 1, in our text, so Jesus is quoting this Old Testament passage. It says, you're not looking down, you're looking up. Look down. I know those are funny letters. See your text. The Lord said to my Lord... This is confusing because it's like the Lord said to my Lord, what's going on here? The first one, how many in your Bible that you're looking at, right, has the Lord, the first one, in all capitals? 
Okay, we've either got a lot of shy people or no one's looking. No? Some of them have it all in caps, some of them don't. The ESV does not. But this, if you take it back to the Old Testament and then you take it back to the Hebrew, that on the right, that weird looking thing, that is the name of God. That's Yahweh. The Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord. The first one is that. It's the name of God. The person of God in Hebrew is Yahweh. Okay. The second, I'm really not good at PowerPoint. You can tell that. Really boring stuff. The Lord versus my Lord. So my Lord, lowercase, is Adonai, La'adonai. So Yahweh said to Adonai, the Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord. They all knew, the scribes all knew, this one was the Christ. We don't know that, other than we've been taught it as well. Looking at the text, we might not get it. I want you to get it like a Jew would have got it, like a scribe would have understood it. They know this passage is talking about the Christ. Okay? How much of that do I need to say? Hmm, five minutes. None of it. Uh, so what is Jesus trying to get us to understand in this text? He has not pushed many questions back to the Jews. He's received and he's taught broadly. Jesus, the first time he said, okay, okay, everyone stop. Now, what do the Jews say about this? Why do they call the Adonai, why do they call him the son of David when David is saying it and David hasn't, the Adonai or the Lord hasn't been born yet. Jesus, the coming Messiah, hasn't been born yet. So how can he be the Lord if he's not born yet? This was the problem the scribes had. They couldn't understand the timeline. And if you get it, it's kind of weird. A thousand years before Jesus, David said this. Like it was happening then. The Lord said to my Lord. Jesus is now came and he's saying it back to them and really confusing them. The experts are confused about the coming Messiah. The end of this passage says, in the great throng, the great crowd, I don't know why they use that word, the great crowd heard them gladly. I've tried to figure out, why is he, they so excited? Sorry, I'm not up there. Um, why are they so glad about this? There's no proclamation that Jesus is the Christ in this passage. It's just not there. Why are they so glad? It's because Jesus, with his wisdom, confounded the, the Jews, confounded the scribes. They didn't know how to respond. And all the people around go, <laughs> got ya. They were happy seeing this because these were the people who soon, we'll see, lorded it over them. Their knowledge was lording it over the people and really crushing the people. And they just watched them, in a brazen way, get handed to them. Um, and it was a big event that concluded his whole time in the temple. So who is Jesus in this? He is the son of David. The Christ is the son of David, and by quoting Psalm 110, he's making the point he's also eternal. He's also pre-incarnate because he was there a thousand years before Jesus was actually born. 
He is eternal. He's the Son of God. Let me... Yeah. Okay, this was just... All the names that are in this text really confused me. I didn't know if they confused you. So I just circled... These are the people who are the same. The son of David is the Adonai, the Lord, is the Christ, and we figure out he is Jesus. So Yahweh is the Lord, is God the Father. Okay, there you go. Um, in this, I want you to leave knowing who the Christ is. The Jews walked away not really getting it. You, I want you to get it. So who is the Christ? Christ, he is the son of God, prophesied in 2 Samuel seven sixteen. He is the one who will rule forever. There's a ton of these, all the passages before. He will rule forever. Yahweh is eternal, and he is with him. In Micah 5.2, he is the one who will pay for our sins, Daniel 9. He will have the spirit of Yahweh rest on him, in Isaiah 11. And he is the son of God, the one who is coming into the world, John the Baptist. Or, no, that's just John says that. Your Christ, the Christ that was long awaited since Genesis 3, the one who's going to come and reverse the curse, that Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they fell into sin. God cursed the entire earth. Through that thousands of years, we heard many, many glimpses. This is who the Christ is going to be. This is the promised one. This is the one who's coming. We heard little glimpses throughout. We have the benefit of hindsight. And we have the benefit of now knowing the name of the man, the God, who came in flesh, Jesus. He is the one who's been promised since the beginning to reverse the curse, overcome your sin, save you, take you to heaven to live forever with him. The Jews didn't get it. They missed it. I think Jesus wants us today to make sure you get it. Do you get it? Well, okay, there you go. Thank you. Do you get it? Thank you. Okay. The next passage, three, three verses long. Um, let me go back. How are we? Oh, man. I love baptisms. This is the part where the scribes are, they have long robes, they have all the best seats, they get the best place in the, fair, in the, the feast and at the, the tabernacle or the, the temple. They have all the best places and they lord it over the people. Their wealth, their power crush the people. Their power and wealth subjugate and oppress people. Globally, we are rich. The warning in this passage is don't be like the scribes. Don't use your wealth, don't use your power to subjugate and oppress people. Bless people, lift them up. I know that does not do this text full justice. But I'm already one minute over. The widows, should we be like them or not? I'm not calling you to be poor like the widow who's really poor. I'm not telling you that's what the text is telling you. You do not need to become poor. You do not need to be like the widow. You don't need to go kill your spouse. Uh, don't do that. The gospel calls us not to give out of our abundance, but to give everything. There's five times in this text. You don't see it in English. You can see it in Greek. I know you don't get to read the Greek. If you want to, I'll teach you later. Five times it says everything, all, 
how much are you supposed to give? Are you supposed to give the two copper pennies like the, the, the widow? Are you supposed to give 10%, 30%, 50%? What are you supposed to give? What are we supposed to give as Christians? And the gospel does not tell you to tithe. We don't have a temple. We don't have a priest. I know that might be a strange thought. I'm not, I'm not calling you to tithe. I'm calling you to give everything you have like the widow did. She gave out of, what does it say? She gave everything, she gave all, for they contributed out of their abundance. She, out of her poverty, has put in everything she has, all she had to live on. She gave everything she is. Am I asking you to empty your bank account and your 401k and putting it into that box in the back? No. I'm saying live entirely for him. If you have a personality, it's for him. If you have a mouth, it's for him. If you have eyes, they're his. If you have ears, use it to listen. If you have hands and you like to fold your hands when you pray, they're his hands. When you give your life to God, everything you are, everything you have, everything he's given to you is for him. The widow understood it. She's like, I don't need anything. I have everything in him. The scribe says, you know, I did good this quarter. There's a little extra. And that was their religion. Look good, feel powerful, and give a little extra. That is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. Christianity is come and die. Be resurrected and new life. The cross is covering my last line. What does it say? Give your life to God. That's great. Uh, three points. Do I have time? No, I don't have time. Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of David as prophesied about, and he is also the eternal God. Do not use religion to try to show off and seek praise for yourself. I thought about wearing a suit. Because... Nobody wears a suit here, right? Maybe not anymore. If I would have worn a suit and you would have looked at me and thought, hmm, he looks good. And I'm like, no, I don't. But, but he looks good. Like, oh, he might be a little more holy, a little more righteous because I put on this outfit. I didn't have time to change into a full suit, so I didn't use that. But I think there might have been some of you who go, hmm, he looks special. He looks apart. That's what the scribes did. Don't do that. You can wear a suit. You can wear a dress. That's great. But don't be that. You get what I mean. We're good. The widow gave everything, and, exactly, and that is exactly what Jesus wants you to give. Everything. Is he worthy? The last song we sang. Worthy of all your time? Is he worthy of your money? Is he worthy for you to set aside your pride and stop showing off to receive praise from men? Comparing yourselves to others is really toxic. We can't do that. It will destroy you. And recognize Jesus as the, the Christ, the Son of David, the Son of God, and the Savior you have always needed. That's what Jesus wants you to go out with today. Jesus is the Christ. Give all to him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for Candace and David. Thank you for little Miles. 
I pray that you would bless us all and that we would be filled by your Holy Spirit and that we would speak forth into this world, into the chaos of this world, that you are a firm foundation and that you are filled with love and compassion and you want to overflow that love onto us. Bless us now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. And we're just going to sing the doxology. We're going to close. Had so much good stuff to celebrate. This has been awesome. So let's sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.